Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Please take your seats quickly, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Tennis Weekly with Joel, Kim and Chris. On today's Tour Catch-Up, brought to you by the UTS Grand Final. Imperious Djokovic seals seventh Tour Finals crown. Salisbury and Ram go back-to-back in Turin. And the Davis Cup Finals get underway in Malaga. Kim, today is the 20th of November and we are here to catch up on the week in tennis at Tennis Weekly HQ. It's our final tour catch up of the season. We are very, very close to the end of the tennis season, the never ending tennis season. Novak Djokovic is your champion in Turin, his seventh ATP tour finals championship he goes out on his own in front he was equal with Roger Federer he's now on his own we've got Joe Salisbury as well with his partner Rajiv Ram defending their doubles title in Turin and the Davis Cup is underway in Malaga from tomorrow which is also very exciting Kim because we're going to be going there uh, in a few days to cheer on GB uh, against a certain Mr. Djokovic and the Serbia team. So uh, there is plenty to look forward to. There is. And we do have to acknowledge, sadly, that Chris is not joining us today because he's currently unwell, tucked up in bed with a bit of flu. So sorry, Chris, that you're not with us. We hope that when we release this pod, that you'll be um, tuning in immediately and that the sound of our voices will provide some comfort to you at this time but yeah big shout out we wish you well a uh, speedy recovery yes chris we 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 wish you all well i'm sure all of our listeners wish you well as well i'm not gonna like him i'm i'm just envisaging chris at the moment just in bed um looking at some itf 60k events on a live stream somewhere in the world there must be something going on i would be sad and disappointed if he wasn't doing that so <laughs> i feel like tennis is a tonic for for chris you know he lives and breathes it especially WTA. So I hope Chris is, uh, yeah, still keeping up with everything that's going on in the tennis world. I'm sure he is. (laughs) Well, get well soon, Chris. And listeners, another thing that is going on, we are also very much looking forward to being at the UTS Grand Final in London at the Excel Arena in mid-December. We hope to see you there. We have been running a competition over the last week or so on our social media channels. Thank you, everyone who has uh, responded and has entered already. And just a reminder to anyone who hasn't played that the competition is still going on. You can still win tickets to be with us at the UTS Grand Finals in London. So just go onto our uh, social media pages on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Uh, You will see the competition post there to get involved. So You've still got your time. Make sure you do it and you could see us potentially at the uh, the grand finals at the uh, the Excel Arena for UTS. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to that because it's just before Christmas and it's like the perfect 
like dose of tennis sort of between you know in the off season so I, I can't wait for that so listeners definitely check that out and uh, you know enter into the competition for your chance to win and Joel will be talking about the tennis in Turin very very shortly but first of all um there's been some tennis played in a slightly different location in the past week. And that's underwater. Is that right? Yes. So, you know, at the moment we're getting into uh, we're getting into holiday season for a lot of a lot of players. I mean, the WTA season is over. So I'm always curious to see what what tennis players get up to in their spare time. I'd like to think, you know, the season's gone on so long. Maybe they're they're putting their racket down and putting their feet up. Is that the case for Martina Trevisan? No, um, I saw on her on her social media this week that she has been playing tennis underwater. What is that about? She's taken a racket and some tennis balls. And yeah, there's some photos of her on her Instagram account of almost doing kind of like some some forehands, um, some backhands. It almost looks like a, a tennis lesson going on underwater. I'm, I'm not quite sure what to make of it. It's like a very extreme form of aqua aerobics, but <laughs> extreme yeah, tennis. Is, is this the next? Is this the next uh, iteration? We've had pickleball, we've had paddle. Is is underwater tennis? Is that going to be the next thing? Will UTS become underwater tennis Ooh, showdown? Yes. <laughs> Shall I phone Patrick up and give him a new idea? <laughs> yeah, it's, I thought that was a very um, novel sort of thing to do. Um, she's out in the Maldives, very much enjoying herself. Photos look really cool. And and also, actually, it just, just came to my head. This would be specific to Martina Trevisan. Do you think her her grunting would 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 you be able to hear that underwater? Is it like sonar? Will it will it will the dolphins be able to to hear it at that frequency? Well, that is a very interesting take on it, Joel. I don't know if the podcast has ever gone in that direction before. Like we'll have to get in touch with like a marine biologist or something or a dolphin enthusiast. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm quite curious. But I mean. We've also, in the past week, well, past weeks, been seeing a, a, an ex-tennis player on a different sort of surface, not not water, but a dance floor, mm. um, you know, doing really well. And that's my highlight of the week is Annabelle Croft is still in Strictly Come Dancing in the UK and she's doing really, really well. Anyone who watches the show regularly, like myself, uh, will know that she's done some really fantastic dances, really like emotional kind of um, energy, you know, with her circumstances. And it's it's such a pleasure and a joy to watch her. And I think she's just doing so, so well. And I kind of want to start a little campaign to get her to win Strictly. Oh, how confident are you? Could she could she get to the finals, do you think? I think she's like won the hearts of the general public. So I think it's, I think she could definitely like get to the final. But I just, you know, I, I just hope that she does even better than she's she's done because she's done so well and that's been my highlight watching her dance especially in Blackpool it was so nice and I just think you know we're seeing a different side to her from what we maybe have seen you know when she's just you know punditing and and commentating so well um, big shout out to her I was gonna say because and we're gonna be talking about this in our second half about the fact that Amazon Prime tennis coverage is coming to an end maybe that's an advantage to her you know she'll be able to actually get even more uh practicing uh, on the on the dance floor and who knows maybe some of the the amazon prime team now that they can put their feet up they can go and support annabelle i want to see mark petchy front row front row in in bbc television studio wherever it is uh supporting annabelle well maybe he'll be signed up for strictly <laughs> next year uh, you know Annabelle's uh, blazed, blazed, 
the trail for, for everyone else but um but yeah no it's been fantastic to watch and we'll be getting on to the amazon prime news later on let's go and look at what's happened in turin though because we had the climax of the event yesterday and surprise surprise novak djokovic has won the event uh he beat yannick sinner 6-3-6-3 straight sets in the final on sunday um which was you know very much a different situation to when they played earlier in the week where where sinner got the win um he is now as you said earlier joel he's a now a seven-time champion at this event so he's he's out on his own he has the most atp finals uh, trophies since 1970 um yet another record that he has uh achieved uh over everyone else um but yeah the, the final quite straightforward really um i was expecting it to be closer given their recent um match but what do you think made the difference like what did Djokovic do differently in the final versus when they played earlier in the week i think with this this final Djokovic has, has been here plenty of times before you've, you've just said it the fact that he's uh you know he's now a seven-time champion here. He's got those experiences already under his belt. And, uh, you know, Yannick Sinner, for all the great tennis he has been playing recently and defeating consecutively top 10 opponents, um, seemingly every every tournament he's been going to um, over the last few months, he'd not been in this situation before. And I think Novak Djokovic really, really did um, exploit that. And he was at the peak of his powers. I mean, to think, yeah, given his age, I'm almost want to say Kim that he's playing some of the best tennis I think we've ever seen from him, and I think he has raised his level from the group stage. and And Yannick Sinner was just was not able to cope with it. And even though it seems like quite a fairly straightforward s- scoreline, Yannick Sinner just was not getting anywhere close to Novak Djokovic on serve. The speed as well from his shots from the back of the court from Djokovic, Sinner was having a hard time dealing with. And um, yeah, I think it was a little, maybe a little bit disappointing for the crowd given you know, they were all rooting for Yannick Sinner. But you just know when you put Novak Djokovic in that sort of environment with Yannick Sinner, the home crowd fully against him, chanting against him, hoping he loses, that's where, that's where he really comes to the fore. Yeah, and... I mean, Djokovic, like you said, he's been here many, many times. And he did say, you know, he had to step it up and change his tactics uh, to play differently from the, from the group stage. But you just, you know, once he gets into the, the knockout stage, you know, he, he dismissed Alcaraz, uh, you know, 6-3, mm. 6-2 in the semis. Basically did the same with Yannick Sinner. It's just, you know, another level yet again from Novak Djokovic. And, you know, he's arguably had the best season of his career at, you know, age 36 in 2023. It's just, I don't know, where does he, where does he go from here? Like, I mean, it's hard to get any better, really. I mean, do you think, you know, looking back on this season, he'll obviously be delighted. And I I suppose it's scary going into next year because for a few years, he was limited in events that he could play because of, you know, uh, vaccination status and the hoo-ha in Australia and, and what have you. But he doesn't have those limitations anymore. So, should we all be kind of quaking in our boots that next year is just going to be more of the same? I mean, think how he's reacted since Wimbledon. He's only lost mm. one one match and that was a, a round-robin match. I think what he's shown is that all the talk of the Carlos Alcaraz era is, a, is upon us was very premature. And I mm. think, again, seeing things like that will would have motivated him. 
And I just can't see it not being more of the same next season. He was so close this season to to winning all four Grand Slams, bar an absolutely epic match against you know Alcaraz in the, in the Wimbledon final. So I still think like there's maybe some unfinished business there. But from tournament to tournament, you just can't look past him, given he seems to be in in peak health, peak condition. He's got all the experience that he's needed. And although I would agree, you know, he he is playing some of the best tennis you know, we've ever seen, I think, in his career. I also think there's a little bit of, you know, we just don't have the same level of quality around him to think, you know, he was at a time where it was him, Federer, Nadal, Murray, people like David Ferrer, who were who very good. Marin Cilic, Kane Nishikuri, very, very good tennis players. And I do think arguably maybe there's a part of this season where it's been like it's dropped off a little bit from the the chasing pack and Djokovic has just stayed as a constant at the top and as a result he's just he's just going to sweep it up he's just going to mop it up and it's become maybe even a little bit easier for him compared to um, some of the other phases of his career that he's been through. Yeah I completely agree I think you know it's it's not just playing you know statement tennis and you know, getting those big wins, it's, it's can you do that consistently? And, mm. you know, we've seen Alcaraz hasn't been able to after Wimbledon. Um, Yannick Sinner, he's had a really solid end to the season. You know, he's got a plethora of top 10 wins, um, had this kind of ridiculous run of form at the end, but, you know, hasn't managed to do it when it really matters, you know, in the championship match in Turin. And we didn't see that this level from him earlier in the year. So it's almost like, yeah, the chasing pack, they have their their ebbs and flows like one of them's perhaps more dominant at another time of the year to another and but Djokovic is, is the constant running it's, throughout it's a little bit like I mean you know there might there may be parallels when all is said and done about how Roger Federer started his career when he was just mopping up um you know in that that transition period where Leighton Hewitt was was world number one. Roger Federer was coming onto the scene, and it you know a lot of people would have said tennis just got boring because Roger Federer was winning everything. And um, if if it does continue the same, I do wonder if if people will make that those parallels and and see actually for Novak Djokovic, he started in a really tough era, but actually his career maybe is ending at a time where he like Roger Federer started, where he can almost mop everything up. Yeah, and I mean, good for him because you you can't control what other people bring to no. the tennis court, can no. you? And I'm He's not saying, doing what he can do. So. No, and I'm not saying like this this means his 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 numbers are inflated or ever. It's still a very competitive, uh, you know, very competitive um, you know field. And I think we've seen that with the, the caliber of matches, um, you know, across the week. We've had some fantastic events and, and rubbers I think across the you know the group stage and the, and the knockout as well and um, I think it's all going to push everyone on but it just seems that Novak Djokovic the only way he can be defeated is is by himself at the moment I think you're right there and I'm going to play devil's advocate Yannick Sinner he potentially could have had an opportunity during the mm. course of the week to knock Djokovic out so Sinner played Rune in his final round robin if Sinner had lost that match, it would have knocked Djokovic out of the competition. Obviously, Sinner won that match. It went to three sets. He did get the, the win. But do you think that scenario crossed his mind? Think, I mean, obviously, it'd be very unsporting to deliberately lose a tennis match. But, you know, in theory, he, he could have perhaps knocked Djokovic out to then not have had to have faced him come the, you know, semis slash final. 
Do, do you think that ever crossed his mind, Joel? Or am I just being really um, like naughty by even suggesting that? I think, you know, you, you look at Yannick Sinner and the, the life he leads on, on the tour, on court and off court, and how he projects himself in interviews. I don't think that probably crossed his mind. He wants to go out and give his fans the best tennis match possible, not go out on court and tank so that I can give myself a better opportunity to win the whole thing. So I don't think it crossed his mind. Having said that, if I was in his shoes, I probably wouldn't be as noble. And uh, I I probably would have thought, hang on, there's an opportunity here for me to win a tour finals crown. It's easier with Djokovic out of the draw. It's it's in my hands at the moment. I, I could do something about that. Um, it's a, it's a really tough, I think it's probably a really tough spot to, to be in. And uh, I don't know, I would have... It probably would have crossed my mind, but um, it would have been a part of me that would have thought, well, hang on, with, with Djokovic out, does this feel like like I've actually won it if I haven't actually, yeah. if I haven't actually defeated him maybe in the final? I know I've defeated him in the group stage, but if I've met the final boss in the final, is it a bit soulless? I don't know. Yeah, I think the flip side of it is that, yeah, if you did end up doing that you won the title you'd be like oh but I didn't get the chance to beat and play Djokovic I don't feel like the Italian crowd though would really care about that aspect no and also I mean it's sod's law you'd you'd knock Djokovic out and then lose to whoever you ended up playing in the semis anyway so I mean what would you do what would you do what would you have done I would have thought about it but then my conscience would have stopped me (laughs) and I would have just you know been more honorable i think just because i would have been i guess superstitious thinking if i do this then some bad karma is going to present itself you know what goes around comes around so i'm i think sinner made the right choice um but anyway on the subject of sin obviously he's had a fantastic end to the season carlos alcaraz is making bold predictions for him next year he has said that he thinks that yannick sinner is going to reach the world number one ranking in 2024 um no, I can understand someone making that statement like generally about Sinner. I do see him as being a future world number one. But 2024, is it going to happen that soon, Joel? I'm not sure. I, I don't, unless something happens to Novak Djokovic that puts him off the tour for a while, like a, an injury. I just can't, I just can't see that happening anytime soon, regardless of how well Yannick Sinner plays. I think he can solidify himself, certainly in the you know, in the top three. And I think we're, we're certainly seeing, I think, Alcaraz, Sinner, Medvedev separate themselves even more so, you know, with the, with this tour finals, I feel, and the last few months. I feel like those three are very much like in a group of their own behind Djokovic. And to me, I think Sinner wants to be the leader of that pack. And once he's leader of that pack, then I think he can go and maybe have a crack at, at Novak Djokovic in that world number one ranking. But the fact that Djokovic is is fit and healthy and there are no restrictions on him going into next season and you know where, where he wants to go in the world to play tennis, the world is going to be his oyster again in, in 2024. And I think that's just going to make it even more difficult for someone like Yannick Sinner to get to that number one ranking in, in the next 12 months or so. Yeah, maybe Alcaraz was trying to like Take the pressure off himself. From himself. That's what I thought, yeah. Yeah, because if it's not Djokovic at number one, you think it's going to be Alcaraz next year. So Mm. perhaps it was a bit of, um, yeah, tactical uh, quotation there. Um, And just talking about Turin generally, we've had um, an announcement, I think, according to Sky Sports Italy, that the ATP finals have extended their contract. 
uh, with Turin as the host until 2027. So potentially we have another four renditions of this event. Um, what These do you make rumors. of that, Joel? These are rumours. Rumours, yeah, sorry. It's not confirmed. This is what's going, not confirmed, but this is the... Do you want it to be true, Joel? The chatter. Are you happy about this? I'm not going to lie. I think it's been a fantastic event. It has been night and day in terms of how this has been run, how the talent have been showcased on the ATP Tour versus the WTA Tour. And I think there is something to be said of just having having a blueprint and just sticking with it and having um, somewhere that has a multi-year agreement. We don't have that on the WTA Tour and it just feels like a complete mess. We can't have any marketing activity that's kind of like a, a road to Turin um, across the season. And um, it just feels a little bit like aimless and like, where are we heading? So I think it makes sense. The Italian crowd are great. I know they upset some people in terms of how voiceless they are, I think, um, you know, with with some of the matches that we've seen. But yeah, it's been a great, it's just been a great event. And uh, I think it's it's carried on the legacy that London and the O2, you know, left it in good hands. And it's just, it's just carried it on. And it's been it's been really fantastically put on and I would put I would arguably put this year as probably the best year I think it's it's actually had in terms of the the tennis it has showcased the final they have got with you know Yannick Sinner home crowd against you know the ultimate boss Novak Djokovic yeah I think it went went off really without a hitch apart from spider cam I think getting in the way in the way a few times uh during surf so uh if, if that's what they're worried about I think we're yeah we're in safe hands yeah, and, and hopefully one player will uh, who didn't play an awful lot this time around, but may well play more next year, is Stefano Sitsipas. He had a bit of a bizarre, um, well, bizarre incident. He retired three games uh, in against Holger Rune with a an injury, but he had some unfavourable um, words yeah, said against strange. him by Thierry Guibert. Yeah, the Lacoste CEO waded in on, on, on social media. I didn't even know he was on social media, but... He, he came in and said, hats off to Yannick Sinner for his win tonight. Despite the unfair behaviour of Sissipas, he showed to everyone why he is a future champ and an authentic guy. Um, yeah, very strange. I thought, you know, I, I completely understand all the positivity saying around Yannick Sinner, but um, unfair behaviour of Sissipas. I thought that was a little bit, I thought that was a little bit un, unfair. You know, he wanted to come onto the court injuries are part of tennis he wanted to give it a go he's earned the right to be there he's earned the right to do what he wants in in my book so if he wants to go on and see how it goes then that's totally up to him and and that's what he did if he can't continue fair enough but in my book he's earned the right to be there so he can do what he wants yes well said joel and um, i'm not too sure maybe there's a bit of history between the two of them that prompted that um but on on more pleasant Sister notes Pass turned down uh, a lacoste contract did he like well, a, a year ago or something <laughs> i don't know who knows <laughs> <laughs> uh, maybe they weren't fashionable enough for him you know he likes his his style his, his poncho and all of that but um on more pleasant uh news just before we kind of take a break uh, we had the doubles event in Turin and Joe Salisbury of Great Britain has defended his title that he won last year with Rajiv Ram. Um, they clinched their second season ending title beating Granolas and Zabios in straight sets in the final. Um, so fantastic for Joe. Uh, they've not only defended their US Open title this, this year but they've also defended the ATP finals title which are you know two of the biggest 
you know, events of the season. Um, and they just seem to kind of improve throughout the week and, you know, winning that final straight sets comfortably, you know, very solid performance. So, yeah, really fantastic. Obviously, Joe will be joining Team GB in Malaga yeah. this week as well. So, yeah, I mean, Serbia have, got, Serbia have got their, se- well, not so secret weapon in um, in Novak Djokovic. And I feel like Team GB have got have got potentially an ace in the pack with with Joe Salisbury and the and the form he's showed. I just hope that it gets to the it gets to the doubles rubber because I think that's the that's that's gonna be like the first goal, I think, when it comes to that 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 Davis Cup tie because once we get into the doubles, I think that's arguably where we have got the biggest advantage. And it's great to see, you know, the Brit the Brits doing well and, and Salisbury and Ram, I mean back to back titles in in Turin Yesterday may have had a shaky start to the season, but they've ended it with aplomb. And, you know, you hear about all these new you know, doubles combinations, players, you know, quitting from their partners, getting new partners in. But with Salisbury and Ram, they've just been this, it's just been this rock. They've just been this presence, I feel, over the last few seasons. And I think it shows that if you just kind of stick at it with, with someone, I think there's a lot to be said for that. And, They've played some great tennis. They've won some Grand Slam titles together. They've gone back to back at the uh, the ATP Finals, and uh, it's again sets them sets them up really well for next season. And hopefully, they can capture a few more men's doubles Grand Slam titles crowns. Yeah, well, fingers crossed for Joe and Rajiv. On that note, we are going to be taking a very quick break, but do join us in the second half where we'll be discussing Amazon Prime's legacy to tennis coverage in the UK, the Davis Cup finals in Malaga, and we'll also be having our very final par for the courts quiz for the season. So do not go anywhere. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with UTS. And Tennis Weekly is proud to be the official podcast of the UTS Grand Final in London. UTS is the world's newest, most exciting, innovative tennis league, playing an entirely reinvented game format that does away with traditional tennis rules. And the UTS Grand Final is coming to London's Excel Arena from the 15th to the 17th of December. The Grand Final features the players who have won the UTS events from around the globe, guaranteeing the best of the best will be competing for the title in London. Already confirmed a top player such as Andre Rublev Rublev, Gael the Monf Monfils, Casper the Iceman Rude, with more players to be announced, including a local wildcard. So if you are looking for the ultimate day out in London in the run up to Christmas, then secure your tickets to the UTS Grand Final now. Session passes start from £31 and day passes from just £51 for a guaranteed six matches. Go to www.uts.live for more information or use the link in the description to purchase your tickets now. We look forward to seeing you there. Welcome back to the Tennis Weekly Podcast brought to you by the UTS Grand Final. And now we're going to move on to our last Path of the Courts. A solo edition. Season. Path of the Solo courts. edition. It's just mm. me. I don't have Chris to contend with. So I might be in with the chance. <laughs> well, I was going to say, are you actually a little bit relieved by that, that you don't have to go up against the, the tennis knowledge of Chris? I mean, I might still not make par, so <laughs> perhaps not. And I'd obviously rather Chris was well and, you know, with us. But um, yeah, what have you got for me, Joel, and for our listeners? Right. So I've got a par for the courts solo edition for you. So what that means for you and our listeners is I'm going to give you a topic as usual, and I am going to set the par score for you. 
Okay. Okay. Excellent. So the topic I have got for you is because it's uh, the end of season. Uh, you know, we've had the the end of season finals in Cancun and Turin. I would like. I'm. This is a WTA themed. I would like you to tell me as many year end number one ranked WTA players as possible. And there are, I'm just going to count this because I normally, this is the part where it goes wrong for me and I get the number wrong, but there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 players. So okay. there are 15 individuals who have in the past been the WTA year end number one ranked player. Is this ever or since ever. a certain... Oh, wow. I thought there'd be more than that. Uh, well, um, okay. Since the WTA rankings uh, came in... Began, in, okay. Yeah, like in the 19... I'm going to assume like the 1970s. I haven't got I haven't got that piece of information to add. We won't hold you to that, Joel. <laughs> Billie Jean King's like, tut, tut. Um, okay, right. So what's my part? What what am I aiming for to, to get? So, as I say, there were 15 in total. And I'm going to go for... I think this is. I think there's quite a few names here that are quite gettable. So I'm going to go. I'm going to go double digits. I'm going to go ten. Oh, okay. Right. Let's do this. I, I think I might be able to get fairly close. Okay. So right. Are you ready? Serena Williams. Correct. Yes. Five time year end number one in her career. Iga Swiatek. Correct. She's she's achieved that twice. Just trying to think who's actually year end versus just number mm. one. Um, Ash Barty. Um, Chris Everett. Correct. Yes, on the list. That's four. Navratilova. Very good. Yes, she's done it seven times. So that's five correct answers. You're halfway there. Uh, Steffi Graf. Correct. Yes, she is top of the list eight times. So that's six correct answers. You're steamrolling, Kim. Oh, now I'm starting to fall today. <laughs> I'm starting to like, you know, debate in my head. Um, Martina Hingis. Martina Hingis is a correct answer. Yes, she is on the list. So that's seven. Maria Sharapova. Maria Sharapova. <laughs> that's an incorrect answer. Oh, Kim. no. <laughs> it was going oh. so well. It was going so well. She has been number one, right? Just not mm. year end, I guess. Oh, yes, damn. she has okay. been world number one but yeah she's not been a year end number one so okay. i'm afraid it stops at seven were there, oh, any there other, so many other people i should have were said were there any other were there any other names in 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 the tank i should have said justin ennan shouldn't i yes she's on the list yeah that would have been um yeah sellers very good oh, yes so Monica why am i Sellers. saying all these people now davenport 
Oh, Kim, you, that's three. Oh. That would have taken you to ten. Oh, what about the uh, Venus Williams? Well, interestingly, Venus Williams, not on the list. I thought that was uh, quite surprising. But uh, yeah, Venus Williams, not on there. Any any others? Well, I suppose Billie Jean King. Well, no, because Billie... Oh, I, no, because no, she was said, before. Yes. Yeah, before. Yeah, okay, mm. fair. Um, how about something like... Um, I don't know, Conchita Martinez or Sanchez Vicario. Were they number one? No, no, no. Um, Azarenka? Yep, you could have had Azarenka, oh. yes. Safina? Um, not Safina, no. Interestingly, no no Russians on the list, actually. But uh, these are your WTA year-end number one ranked players. You could have had... I'm going to start at the top uh, with Steffi Graf, who did it eight times. Martina Navratilova seven times. You had Chris Evert and Serena Williams who both did it on five occasions. Lindsay Davenport on four occasions. And then you had Monica Seles, Martina Hingis, Justine Ennan and Ash Barty on three occasions. Two players you didn't give me who did it on two occasions. Caroline Wozniacki, Simona Halep and Iga Sviontek. And then two other players, along with Victoria Azarenka, have also been the year-end world number one on one occasion. And they are... Asaka. Yelena Yankovic. And, coming back to the tour next year, I believe, Angie Kerber. Angelique Kerber is oh. on the list. So those oh, are okay. your 15. Graf, Navratilova, Evert, Williams, Serena Williams... Davenport, Seles, Hingis, Enan, Barty, Wozniacki, Halep, Sviontek, Jankovic, Azarenka and Angelique Kerber. In hindsight, I should have got a lot more. I bet listeners are screaming at me. I bet Chris is in his bed <laughs> screaming actually, yeah. at me. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. I've let the side down. Um, Maria but yeah, no, okay. I mean, it sounds like it should be correct, right? I'm surprised Osaka wasn't year end number one either. Well, there you go. But there you go. There we go. Okie doke. Well, thanks very much, Joel. Listeners, let us know how you got on with this final path of the courts for 2023. We'll look forward to bringing more of those in the new year. Uh, we also are diving into our mailbag uh, for the last time this season. Uh, Andrea on Twitter has reached out. Uh, hello, Andrea. Thanks for um, contacting us. Andrew has said, hey guys, love the pod and your fashion analysis of the ATP and WTA final eight group photos. I'm taking full credit for that. I mean, Andrew, you may want to listen to our back catalogue where we did fashion <laughs> faves and faux pas. Uh, that was many years ago, but still probably a bit of a laugh if you listen to it. But Andrea is asking, what would we wear if we were if we had made it to Turin or Cancun? Like, What would you have worn if you had got there yourself? Ooh. So, Joel, any ideas? I mean, I mean the 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 t- the tennis weekly podcaster in me, of course, is going to say like a custom merch outfit with just full tennis weekly branding on on absolutely everything. I'm wearing the hat. I'm wearing a blazer. I've got the tennis weekly badge on the on the breast. Tennis weekly bow tie. Um, everything just kind of layered in, in in tennis weekly i think would be like my marketeer's answer but um if i was just going for more like casual casual answer i'd go for like i'd go for a little retro look i think i'm always a bit of a i grew up in the mid noughties and i'd go back to a mid noughties classic look of 
of like a, of jeans and uh a, a short sleeve t-shirt over a long sleeve t-shirt i'll go back to my uh go back to my roots that's uh i know it's probably a bit too casual for tour finals but um i'm gonna keep it as low-key as possible You'd be doing the whole Garuna style, yes, like exactly. low key. Maybe yeah. a chain on my jeans, or maybe that'd be a bit far with some with some Vans <laughs> Vans shoes. Oh gosh, really going back <laughs> oh, to the mid noughties. Oh, I thought about this too much. Yes. Yes, that's a very detailed answer. Andrea will be thrilled. <laughs> she's probably thinking um, my fashion analysis has gone right out the window now, given yeah, given she, my answer there. She's probably thinking, "Where is Chris? He wears like the dapper suits." <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean. I think I would go a bit more exuberant than you, Joel. Okay. And I'm thinking either sequins or flamenco. Um, maybe, you know, something glittery, something you'd wear on, on Strictly or at Eurovision. Well, I, I was going to um, say, it sounds like you're raiding the, the Strictly the strictly wardrobe. The wardrobe. <laughs> I'd better get Annabelle to, uh, you know, take some of the dresses <laughs> back for, for me. But yeah, maybe like a, a sequined jumpsuit. But I think, you know, if you're somewhere out in Spain, you know, for the event or, you know, I know they weren't in Spain this year, but some, maybe a nod to the local area. So something, you know, maybe a sombrero, a sequined sombrero for Cancun. Something to like pay homage to yeah, where you are yeah, geographically. But but yeah, I think it's it's quite fun. I, don't, I doubt we'll ever be making this lineup. So you know, as media in the media centre, you know, you don't have to wear anything exciting, do you? So um, it's on the other side of the camera. Mm. Um, but yeah, thank you, Andrea, for your question. Listeners, keep them coming. Do send them to us over the next few weeks or so, and we will look forward to featuring them in the new year uh, when we kickstart the mailbag again. And this brings us now, Joel, on to a couple of talking points before we finish for today's episode. Uh, we alluded to this earlier, and that is, I guess, and this is more for UK listeners, uh, Amazon Prime tennis coverage in the UK is coming to an end. Uh, the ATP finals has finished, which was their final event um, in the UK. They've been broadcasting for five years uh, giving everyone with a prime subscription you know access to to free tennis and the, you know are you going to miss it joel are you going to have to search elsewhere now to watch your tennis how do you feel about the them bowing out i've been dreading this moment i think ever since it's it's been announced um it's it's been great i think over the years as part of like a subscription with with Amazon. I know to begin with, it was a little bit tricky for people who maybe aren't used to to streaming or, you know, relying on a, on a Wi-Fi connection to, you know, to, to watch tennis. But, you know, from my point of view, it's been, it's been great. And I think they've really evolved the coverage, the presentation of it as well, the, the pundits and the broadcasters um, that they get in to do the analysis, I think has been top draw. I think it's a very well-oiled machine. You know, we see people like Tim Hemman and, and Greg Rosetsky, Mark Petchy. They just deliver really, really good insight that I think is is what you want when you're following the tennis tour all year round, and you've got a you've got a product that is all year round. You want to give it that level of of care and and attention, and I think they've they've delivered on that. And I am a little bit sad. I think that you know the the, the chat is that it's going to be going over to Sky. You know they had the U.S. Open coverage earlier this year, and I think they've they've got a lot to live up to. Yeah, it's been great having it on Amazon Prime because 
most of us, well, I don't, I don't want to generalise, but a large part of the population do have Amazon Prime. So it's just nice that it's already included. So there is going to be extra costs involved for tennis fans who really want to follow mm. the coverage. It's and be I, more I think fragmented as well. Like it's yeah, advert breaks. That's you know, it's been nice not having those. Um, and the team, and the choices, I've, you know, I've and the choice as well, because you know, with the the Grand Slam coverage, particularly from you know, from Prime, that the number of courts that they've 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 able to televise and, and give us has been I feel like it's been like I don't want to say the word unprecedented, but it's been on a level that I don't think we were used to as tennis fans before before they came in. Um and I just hope there are learnings there that do get taken on board, I think, from Prime to Sky in terms of how it can be as mm. seamless as possible. I think the big worry for everyone, uh, including well, including myself, is is the cost involved because we know that going from this kind of subscription model to to Sky Sports, the price is going to jump up. It doesn't feel like it's going to be as easily accessible, and I just worry, you know, what that means in terms of levels of interest in in tennis in the UK. Will people get as excited about things that happen because they're they're going to be behind a paywall now? Yeah, things that happen outside of Wimbledon in the UK, getting new new audiences in. Yeah, I think that's going to be more of a barrier because, yeah, the paywall is, is quite high when it comes to Sky as well. So, well, thanks, Amazon Prime. Um, who knows? Maybe they'll pick it up again in the future. But it's, you know, it's been great that they've shown it. Uh, in the last five years and we'll have to see how the next phase of tennis viewing in the UK goes um, but yeah big thanks to Amazon Prime I suppose from from all all us here at Tennis <laughs> Weekly tennis fans across the UK our podcast has um, depended on you I know li- literally <laughs> um, but let's talk about what's happening this week um, because we have the Davis Cup finals Kicking off in Malaga tomorrow, the first tie is between Canada and Finland. So we've got four days worth of initial ties, semi-finals on um, Friday. Oh, sorry, three days of initial ties. Then Friday and Saturday semi-finals. Sunday the final. Um, Great Britain team news: Andy Murray is out. Um, I'm sorry, Joel. I know you were very looking forward to seeing him there. He's out with a shoulder injury, and Liam Brody has come in. Um, so we're, we're due to be there in time for Team GB against Serbia on Thursday. And we're very much looking forward to that, aren't we? Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting tie. Gutted that Andy Murray won't be there. Dan Evans not going to be there either. I think this sort of maybe plays into Serbia's hands. I think they know they know what they're going to be getting. They know that Jack Draper is going to be stepping out as the, the number two player. They know Cam Norrie is going to be stepping out as the number one player. And they know that it's going to be Salisbury Skupski in the in the doubles. So I just hope from GB's perspective that they can get it to they can get it to the doubles because I think if that's the case, then I would say that maybe we would go in as, as slight favourites because I know no matter how good Novak Djokovic is on a, on a singles court, and I would expect him obviously to to play in that tie. If it does go to the doubles and he gets put in in there with with someone like a, a Kekmanovic. I think having double specialists like Salisbury and Skupski together, I personally still would back them, but they need to get to that point first. And I think to do that, they need Jack Draper to start with a win because it's going to be very difficult, I think, when it comes to what everyone I think is assuming is going to be Novak Djokovic versus Cam Norrie in that in that second rubber. 
Yeah, and I mean, Salisbury and Skupski in the doubles, they don't normally play together, do they? And, and Salisbury doesn't have the best of records in Davis Cup ties. So I think, you know, the odds mm. are against GB, but it's not impossible. It's a Something skeleton may team, isn't to it? Djokovic. It's a, yeah, yeah, it's it's not a skeleton team, team now, is it? Because the fact we don't have Evans, the fact we don't have Murray, we are relying on this on this team that looked like it had a plethora of options, you know, just even a, a few weeks ago um, to now to a point of like, it's either this or we go home. Yeah. I mean, let's look at the rest of the field because we've got Canada versus Finland, uh, Czechia versus Australia, Netherlands versus Italy, and then Great Britain versus Serbia. Where's your winner coming from, Joel? Who are you going for looking at, at that kind of lineup? Oh, that is tough. I mean, Canada were the surprise packages, I think, for me in the you know in the, in the qualifying for the, the final eight in terms of how they performed. So I think, you know, if they could carry on that that momentum, I think they'll be a force to be reckoned with. I think it's hard to look past maybe, to be honest, it's hard to look past Serbia or Italy in my book. Um, I think that to me is the, like the stronger, the stronger half. Um, and I sort of expect the winner to come from, uh, yeah, Netherlands, Italy, GB, Serbia, Um and yeah, maybe maybe Italy and maybe, who knows, we'll get a rematch of a Sinner versus Djokovic in, in Davis Cup. Yeah, it's hard for me to disagree with you, to be honest, Joel. They, they're the sort of two standouts for me as well. Um, but you never know. Perhaps someone else can, can spring a surprise, so but it, it is hard to think beyond. What is the level of... So what is our... We're going there to support uh, GB. Are we... What do we think? What are we think? What are realistic expectations? for GB mm. I suppose if we I think if we can get a rubber that would be obviously like a, I want to say decent enough but I, I hope we don't just you know lose both the singles I hope we get to the doubles because that would at least give us some chance that we felt like we were in the tie but with this format the new format of Davis Cup you know you just don't get the chance to to play your way into it you know you've got to be on it yeah. and no rubber is kind of spare so it's 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 going to be intense and I think we've just got to hope that luck might be on our side and we'll have to cheer extra hard for for Team GB and hope that a lot of British fans have made the trip, um, you know, out there to, to lend the support. It's going to be an interesting atmosphere, isn't it? Because the fact that Spain aren't there, what what is the atmosphere going to be like? What are the turnouts and the attendances going to be like as well? Because... You, you're relying on I don't know it's it's I don't know I just I just don't know it could it doesn't feel like it's going to be a fever pitch atmosphere across the whole week given without without the interest basically of Spain yeah I mean Joel we might have to start a Mexican wave uh to get the the crowd energized is it gonna, what a two-person Mexican wave of tennis weekly me and you just going back and forth well, I think that might be a, you know, step up from last weekend at the Billie Jean King Cup because you had a bit of a yes, interesting that is very true. experience there. <laughs> that is very true. And it actually, it was a story I forgot to bring up last week and I thought it was funny. So I'm going to tell our, our listeners, uh, it did hurt my pride a little bit, but, you know, I was obviously going there and thinking, oh, maybe someone will, someone will recognise me, someone will spot me. And come up to me and be like, oh my God, you're, you're Joel from Tennis Weekly Podcast. We love what you do, et cetera, et cetera. Well, Kim, I had two fans uh, come up to me and they're walking towards me. And I thought, this is my moment. We can talk about Tennis Weekly. It'll be great. They love our podcast. 
and they asked me to show them to their seats. And uh, <laughs> I'm just I'm just hoping we don't get that experience. Uh, yeah, in uh, in Malaga. Don't it was like dress a dagger like to a... my heart. It was a dagger to my heart. Don't dress like a steward or something. I don't... What were you wearing last weekend? Well, I was wearing a shirt. Well. You I think it was the badge. It was the it was the lanyard. I think that they they had connected uh, to. Oh, okay. He works. He work. He works as a steward. He can show us our seats. Well, we've got to keep you down to down to earth, Joel. You know, don't get your your um your podcast ego too high. So I'm I'm glad they 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 asked that of you. Um, but anyway, we'll see what happens this week in Malaga. We look forward to being there and bringing our listeners the coverage that we can provide and cheering team gb on and seeing what unfurls over the course of the next week um we won't be there till yeah a couple of days time so uh, we're not unfortunately there for the earlier ties um but we also have an event just to mention before we um finish for today the next gen finals the field has been set uh they're taking place in saudi arabia in jeddah um which will be they'll be taking place there from this year onwards till 2027 they're starting on the 28th of november so kind of a week tomorrow uh we've got quite an interesting lineup some players i'm I'm not particularly familiar with um which i guess is the whole point of the event uh we've got arthur fee luca van ash dominic stricker flavio koboli alex mitchelson hamad medjedovic luca nardi and abdullah shelby um hmm. i know about 50% of them, Joel. And I feel ignorant for saying I don't know the others, but, you know, I'm not too familiar with them. I am with you. And I, and I have no doubt if, if Chris was here, he was saying this is this is Arthur Fee and the rest of the field, um, mm. I, I feel, at the moment. But having said that, I know Luca Nardi, I think, has had great success on the Challenger circuit this season. Um, Dominic Stricker as well. He's, uh, you know, quite a difficult uh, player. I've seen him at, at Wimbledon qualifying as well. So yeah, there's some interesting characters there, but you feel like it's it's maybe not as jam-packed in terms of like next-gen talent that I think could reach top 10 in the future as maybe previous editions. But certainly yeah. with someone like Arthur Fee, I think he, he could look at this field and think, actually, this is mine for the taking, really. Yeah, it's not giving me quite the same vibes as when I think Yannick Sinner played this event. Um, but I, th- I think personally, it's probably going to be looking at Fee or Stricker for the win. Uh, but you know, it's always intriguing to see these players that you you don't know much about. So, and that's the whole point of it. So, uh, look forward to to seeing that when we, you know, when it gets to it, Davis Cup first, of course. Um, and that pretty much brings us to a close, Joel. But we do have quite a lot still to come this season, don't we? This is our last tour catch up. But stay tuned, listeners. Stay tuned, listeners. Yes, this has been our final tour catch-up of the season. We just want to say a big thank you to everyone um, who's listened uh, to our analysis, has taken part in our quizzes, or maybe you've even written in um, a mailbag question. We just want to give every one of our listeners a big shout-out for our tour catch-ups. We're not done yet. As Kim has said, as we have said over the last couple of weeks, we are going out to Malaga for Davis Cup. So we're going to be doing a few episodes live from Malaga, We've got the UTS Grand Final in London as well. We're going to be at that. We're going to be putting some content up. We might do an episode as well just to give the full experience of of how we found it. But Kim, most importantly, we also have got the end of season quiz 2023 when we're going to look back 
on the ATP and WTA seasons, Grand Slam events, team events, you name it. We're going to be doing that, I think, next next week at some point. And I've I've already got my questions ready uh, for you and Chris for my section. So I hope you're I hope you're I hope you're studying up. Well, I hope you're studying up. You've got your questions out of the way, so you can start revising. <laughs> very true. Very true. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to try and make my questions perhaps less hard than I have in previous years. Because, okay. Well, I feel like I've had we've had some comments that my level of difficulty is is too high. Um, but I look forward to, to challenging you all and mm. our listeners. We all it's love one of a my favourite episodes of the yeah, year. Yeah, we all we love do. a good we quiz. Do. So uh, listeners, look out for that. And just as a, m- a mention as well, we do have our Tennis Weekly crowdfunder for next season coming into the horizon. We'll be releasing that uh, at the start of December. So look out for more information on that in the next couple of weeks. But if you want to support the show and what we do, we don't do this. It, we don't do this full time. Um, you know, we do all have our, our own jobs. Um, we take our annual leave to go to events to cover it for our listeners. But it, it really can't go on without um, our listeners' support. And the crowdfunder is a great way to kind of get involved with the show. And we'll have some great gifts and prizes as well for anyone who is able and willing to donate. So look out for the Tennis Weekly Crowdfunder 2024 coming in a few weeks from the start of December when it will go live. Right, I'm going to finish there, Kim. I feel like that is, that's all the stuff that we've got to look forward to um, over the next um, month or so. But this has been our final tour catch-up of the season. I hope you have enjoyed, listeners, our latest episode of the Tennis Weekly Podcast as usual. And remember to subscribe to stay up to date on all the action still to come. We've got Davis Cup, we've got the UTS Grand Final um, and we've got a few little bonuses as well up our sleeves so make sure you're subscribed to make sure you're the first to listen to that we are on apple podcasts spotify and all major podcasting platforms out there and if you do like what you're hearing then also make sure to leave us a rating and a review on apple podcasts or spotify as that really helps new listeners uh, find us and uh, know that you know we're a pretty good bet uh, for them to listen to um you could also follow us on social media or email the show we're on facebook instagram tiktok youtube and x our handle is at tennis weekly pod you can also purchase tennis weekly merch at etsy.com slash shop slash tennis weekly podcast perhaps some nice Christmas gift ideas on the shop there. You can also email us tennisweeklypod at gmail.com and don't forget to check out our website as well, tennisweekly.co.uk. And we will be back later in the week with our Davis Cup Live from Malaga episodes brought to you by the UTS Grand Final. So I hope you can join us for that. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from Kim. Goodbye. And it's goodbye from me. We'll see you again soon.